You're listening to the Come Grow With Us podcast with Earl and Angela. The podcast that discusses personal and professional growth, success, and triumph. Because it's it's not not what you go through, through, it's what what you grow through. Hi, and welcome back for the third and final part of Growing While Grieving. This episode is brought to you by Danielle Moore of the Refreshment Wellness Center and Uncouched Therapy. If you are looking for a therapist, you can send an email to inquiries at LCSW.com or scheduling at refreshwellnesscenter.com. And if you would like to download a free self-care template, you can text the word self-care to 214-894-0474. I hope that you all have been having good boundaries, staying hydrated, drinking your water, minding your business, exercising, and asking for the help that you need. Take care and be well. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Come Grow With Us, the podcast that not only focuses on what we go through, but what we grow through. I'm Earl Stevens, and my podcast partner is Angela Stevens. Hello, everybody. And so we are back with part three of Growing While Grieving. We'll just do a little bit of recap of part one. Part one is where we introduce what we have experienced as far as grief is concerned, both Angela and myself how it affected us and how we continue to grow through grieving uh, in part one uh, myself Earl told my story about how I lost my late wife to cancer and in part two Angela told the story how she lost her daughter Bianca to cancer yes and now in part three which we are tagging managing madness madness meaning the acronym mad meaning mourning anxiety and depression uh calling it managing madness and in addition to both of us here we also have a guest speaker yes danielle moore is in the house say hello danielle hello thank you all for having me yes we are so excited to have you today definitely been looking forward to this and let me tell you a little bit about danielle danielle moore is a psychotherapist she is a licensed clinical social worker in addition she is the ceo of refresh wellness and the uncouch therapy out of texas Danielle also, just to let you know, she obtained her master's degree from Michigan State University in addition to providing Go Green, go white. Yes, go green. In addition to providing mental health services, she is a life coach, public speaker, hospital and business consultant. Her goal is to help people become the highest and best version of themselves. So we welcome Danielle. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for joining us, and thank for all our listeners for coming back and uh, taking part in part three as we go forward. Absolutely. And yeah. if you, and if you haven't listened to part one and part two, you may want to backtrack. Right. Right. Yeah. And I know it's been a little bit since we recorded part one and part two, but. We want to save the best for last and make sure that we got on Miss Danielle's schedule so she can come in and provide her portion of it to give all of us little nuggets that we can take along with us. Anybody who may be experiencing 
going through a grieving process and stuff. So absolutely, absolutely, because we stress, you know, um, a lot of us are spiritual, you know, we're Christians and but we still not only do you need that spiritual side, you need that foundation from these practical skills from a licensed clinical therapist. So that's why we wanted to bring Danielle on. And it's definitely an honor to have her here. Good, good. So, yes, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it. So managing madness for us, uh, like I say, is mourning, anxiety and depression. Most of this uh, we always we, we discuss happened to us you know of course some of it happened before we lost our loved ones but a, ma- a majority of it happened to us after we lost our loved ones mm-hmm. mourning their loss going through anxiety of their their them not being here uh you know taking actions without them and then you know of course adding in t- into that depression mm-hmm. uh, i know for the both of us uh we experienced similar uh, events when it came to morning anxiety and depression or managing madness. So do you want to go ahead and talk about a couple of things? A couple of tips? Yeah, of course. Yes. For me, I would say um, to manage that anxiety and morning and depression, like I stated, number one is to seek counseling. Um, I made sure I had counseling with a licensed therapist and also spiritual counseling. Mm-hmm. And to allow yourself to go through the process, which I always say, hashtag respect the process. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Danielle, you being a counselor, uh, I know, and you, I know you've listened to part one and part two. Uh, I mean, do you have any comments as far as, you know, uh, anything that, that, that you heard on part one and part two or any, you know, any tips for any of our listeners? On this anxiety thing. Right. Well, there was so much there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I definitely recommend going back and listening to part one and two if you didn't. Um, but today, you know, we're we're talking about um, the process of grieving. Right. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross um, coined the five stages of grieving. And the five stages of grieving are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, the first stage is denial, which is this can't be happening. Right. Second stage is why is this happening to me as anchor? Bargaining is the third stage, meaning I will do anything to change this. It's like, you know, it's, it, you're trying to delay um, the grieving process or you're trying to do anything to fight to hold on. Right. The fourth stage is depression. It's like, what's the point of going on after this loss? I, I can't deal. I'm not willing to move on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit in this. And accepted is getting to the place where you say it's going to be okay. I, you know, I'm trying to understand the situation logically, and I'm trying to come to terms emotionally with the situation. The thing about the stages of grief is they may not happen in this order, and you may vacillate between any two or three stages right, right. at any given time. Right. Mm-hmm. That is that. And, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no. Go ahead. No. That 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 is. We both can testify. Th- to yeah, that. we both can testify to that. So one of my questions was, uh, I know that both of us discussed about the time frame to kind of go through some of these stages. I know with myself, uh, and I know there's difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. I know with myself, I was. 
I was ready probably within six months after losing my wife. I was I was focused on trying to move forward. Of course, I was I was determined to make sure my kids were good because when I went through therapy, um, my counselor she told me she said, "Hey, just be careful about moving forward because you lost somebody that you could kind of replace, you know, but your kids lost somebody that they cannot replace." And so she said, "Just become cognizant of that as you move forward," you know. Uh, because I was, you know, I was like, Hey, uh, look, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the leader of this family and stuff with my kids and everything else. I gotta stay strong. I gotta stay positive for them. So as far as time frames are concerned, uh, just from your professional experience, do you, do you see differences between men and women as far as, as recovering from grieving? Um, it's not it's not a male to female thing okay. at all. Okay, good. It's yeah. it's really an emotional maturity. Uh, it, it, it it's a combination of emotional tr- maturity, your ability to communicate and articulate your emotions, the level of trauma you experienced previously, and um, what you may or may not be triggered by with regard to the person that you lost. Wow, wow, you hit some stuff there. You did, you did, yeah. So it's not just a simple answer. It's complicated. Actually. Wow, that is really good because one thing that I noticed, I stayed there longer. And while I was going through the process, other things came up, other things that happened as a child or at you know previous years that I had not fully dealt with came to the forefront. And I was like, what is happening? Why am I doing this right now? So that makes sense. Yeah, when you unearth, you know, grief is traumatic. Mm -hmm. When you unearth that trauma, sometimes it can feel very familiar to something Mm -hmm. that you experienced before. Mm -hmm. And then that starts to unravel. Yeah, I know, and we did we did a little bit of, of, of reading and research. Uh, we went on the NIH website and looked up, you know, grieving and, and kind of, you know, just kind of educated ourselves, uh, and then based on our past experience. And I and one of the things that that you just brought up kind of comes to the forefront that one of the things that the NIH websites talked about was that what's the NIH? In NIH National Institutes of Health mm-hmm. uh, talked about was people's experience are their their environment or their lifestyle or their culture you know and some cultures you know they are they are cognizant of death is going to happen how to how to attain it people who are who have certain religious beliefs oh absolutely you know are just cognizant of it and they know that they have to work through it and stuff like that and then some cultures aren't you know aren't that you know Aren't, you know, aren't able to, 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 to process it that, that fast. So, so do you see anything as far as like religion versus uh, people who aren't like have certain religious beliefs as far as dealing with grief? Or cultural. Or cultural? Um, absolutely. Okay. You know, there are a lot of people who do things out of tradition and their religion and their culture. And then, again, you intersect that trauma, you intersect oppression. There are a lot of different variables going on, you know, across cultures and how they mourn, how they mourn their beloved. Mm -hmm. And so, I know in 
the black community, if you are Christian, you know, there's this focus of we're celebrating this person's life. This is a celebration of life. This right. is supposed to be, you know, but that's in direct conflict with how a lot of people are feeling emotionally at the time. For some people, it doesn't matter how you prepare for death. Somebody can live to be 90, 100 years old. And just depending on how impactful that person was in your life, there's nothing that can prepare you for them not being in your life anymore. Mm. Correct. There are other people where they are relieved that someone has gone on for a variety of reasons. It may be because of trauma. It may be because that, that person was suffering. It may be, you know, it, it may be complicated, yeah. right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, there is no cookie cutter uh, way to grieve for anyone. And it can look different for people who belong to the same culture, who belong to mm-hmm. the same religious mm-hmm. background, who belong to the same family. It can look different for each individual person just based on their ability to process their emotions and their capacity, uh, their capacity to be able to communicate what their needs are with, um, just opposed to the expectations mm-hmm. that everyone else has around them. Wow. People can be expecting for you to get up and be strong or do this or be in this place where you're celebrating life you just lost your baby and you just lost yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like, you want me to get up here and celebrate my life. But after y'all get finished with all this fanfare, my reality has just changed. My normal has been disrupted. Come on right. now. That is real. And, <laughs> that is so yeah. Real. <laughs> and so it's like, you can want to fanfare this and try to create a process for me to, go through this, but I'm only going to have the capacity to go through this in the way that I specifically have the capacity to go through this. And if I am in a culture where we don't believe in in, in getting therapy, Mm -hmm. I might be trying to manage this all on my own. If I'm in a culture that has conditioned men to, you know, keep themselves busy and to not be emotional and, to just go on to the next thing and then not adequately process, well, you might not feel like you have the space to actually grieve. Right. Or you might not even know how because you've never been, the only place that you've been able to show emotions is on a field or in a sport somewhere. Mm, that's good. And so you may not, you know, you may not know how to do that as a man where it's expected for women to be emotional when men are actually more emotional than us, they just don't have safe spaces to be able to process their emotions without their manhood being challenged. That, that is, that is so true. And, and, you know, uh, I contribute, uh, you know, me, uh, mourning to my experience in the military. You know, I spent 20 plus years in the military and we experienced loss. You know, I was in Iraq uh, we experienced some loss over there and stuff. And we were pretty much taught how to to mourn, celebrate the life of that loved one, mourn, and then, you know, give yourself, you know, a quick 24, 48 hours to mourn and then get right back to the mission. Mm. You know, because and with the, your condition to do that, mm-hmm. you can fall in line with that and, and, and get yourself to a good 
spot. That's like behavioral conditioning. Right. Right? Mm. But okay. let you mess around and get triggered. Somebody Ooh. says something, you smell something, you go a certain way, or you have a deja vu, and it's about that person, and them emotions come crashing down. Danielle, yeah. are you in our conversation? <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about this last night, actually. It was wow, so funny. you are so on point. Mm-hmm. You are so on point. And one thing that I want to point out is that, you know, after my daughter passed away, I was telling Earl, I said, it was such a big relief. Because I had prayed before, like a couple of days before, and I said, Lord, I need you to heal her here or in heaven. I said, because this can't continue. Mm -hmm. And so when she passed, it was like I was so, like initially I didn't even cry. I was so relieved. And then, of course, later everything started hitting hitting me. And I stayed there longer than I probably should have. But it was what I needed. And everyone kept telling me, you need to get it together. And so I blocked everybody out because who are you to tell me what I need to do? This is my job. And that is exactly what you should have done was Mm. block them out. And I did. And the time that you needed is the time that you should have stayed. So there is no should have. You should have gotten through this quicker. Whatever amount of time it is that you need, that's just the time that you need. Mm. Right. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's 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 it is so crazy, and you know it's so ironic that we're having this discussion the day after the Queen has passed away, the Queen Queen Elizabeth, and you know, and and we were just watching some of the newscasts from mm-hmm. last night and just from this morning, and you know, and everybody's talking about Prince Charles and he's getting ready to take the throne and everything else and stuff like that. But the first thing I thought about was. He lost his mom. He lost his mom. You know, and everybody's like, you know, he's going to make his first speech as the king of England and blah, 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 and everything else and stuff like that, you know, and the same, but at the same time, it's like, okay, he don't get like a couple of days, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, 30 days before he get ready to do this and stuff. So it's it's just, it's just ironic we're making this, we're having this conversation Mm -hmm. at this time. Because that was the first thing I thought. I was like, Mm -hmm. what about the grandbabies? Right. Say grandma, you know, let's I know we have all this other stuff going on, but yes. So another question that we have is what advice would you provide a widow or widower in regards to recovery? Take all the time that you need and know that even the time that you think you need isn't enough. Mm. That is so true. That's good. That's because good. when you get into a new relationship, um, by the way, with regard to how the brain processes grief, mm-hmm. divorce is the equivalent of death, losing someone to death. I agree. And so, um, and so when you get into a new relationship with someone, you're going to be triggered right? without even trying. You know, and some of it may be guilt because you're just like, you know, I was this way with somebody else and that was supposed to be my forever. Right. Right. Um, Some of it may be guilt. Some of it may be unhealthy comparison. Right. Where, you know, it's just like you're not them. Right. Or you don't do this in this way that this person does and they're not going to and they're not supposed to. But it can be hard 
for you not to um, tax them, so to speak, um, or to, you know, kind of count that against them. Right. Even if you're doing it quietly and you're not trying to. Yeah. It's, you know, you, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I was just going to comment on some something that you said because uh, one of the things that I told myself after after losing, you know, my my wife, I knew I was going to be a husband again. I mean, I, you know, we were married for you know thirty years, so that's all I knew how to do was be a husband and be a father, you know, and be a provider. So I knew that you know at the early age of fifty something years old, losing my first wife, I still I, I still wanted to. I still had the desire to do that again, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and so I was very, very calling myself being very, very strategic about the way I went forward. I, I, I so-called gave myself five years to like figure out who this new person is, you know, the, 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 the person that 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 I am now without my late wife. Who am I? And try to define that. And then once I was able to define that, I was able to articulate that to whomever else was going to be in my life. Anybody else I met that was new to say, hey, this is who I am. This is who I was, but this is who I am now. And one of the things and something that you just mentioned was that I I strayed away from trying to get trying to be with somebody that even remotely reminded me of my late wife. Mm. I tried to stray away. I mean, I I literally like, no, you, you know, you have this, this, this feature or you have this, this, uh, this, uh, skill or whatever Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so I know that if I got with you, I was going to literally compare you like, like my late wife was a chef. You know what I'm saying? So anybody who was like in the cooking profession or whatever, or somebody who liked, you know, to like, not necessarily like who liked to like cook, you know, mm-hmm. but somebody who did it like on a professional basis or something like that, I was like, nah, because then I'm going to be comparing you to like, oh yeah, well she made cornbread this way right. and you made cornbread this way. You know what I'm saying? So I tried to literally stray, but still, you still don't even, it's, it's still a whole ton of other mm-hmm. attributes that are out there that fall into because she was a woman, you're a woman. You know what I'm saying? So so you can't get away every from every single detail. Yeah, exactly. Every <laughs> single detail comes back up. And so I'm glad you said that. You know, because the more every everything you try to stray away from, like 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 the big factors, mm-hmm. okay, cool. You know, you don't cook. Okay, that's cool. So I don't I don't have to worry about comparison you cook. But Hashtag I don't cook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the thing about it, but there's other details that just come up and stuff. Because you're a woman. Yeah, because you're a woman. Mm -hmm. She was a woman, and there's just certain things and stuff like that. But I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because that just brought you know. That was really good. Yeah, Yeah, that was really good. Mm -hmm. So, Danielle, I have another question. So, what advice would you give to someone who was stuck in a phase of grieving? Like, how would you? help guide them to get through that phase? Well, I would want to talk to them about what's keeping them stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, um, some people are just in a space where they're like, 
I refuse to move on. Mm. My whole world has stopped, you know, and I am choosing to have paradigm paralysis right now. I'm, and said, I, I'm not ready. You said paradigm paralysis? Say that paralysis. Paralysis? Mm-hmm. Yes. Paradigm paralysis. Wow. Where you are stuck in a certain paradigm a certain era and you see that just with people in general where mm-hmm. you know <laughs> they they get that way and it's not even about death right um, right tra- well trauma does that to you mm-hmm. trauma will cause paradigm paralysis you have some people at the point that they experience trauma they stop maturing mentally and emotionally oh yeah and they have Definitely. temper tantrums as an adult and they're unable to articulate themselves, you know, in the way that they need to. And anything that triggers them, they're having the same meltdown or they're it's directly connected to the, the trauma that's at their epicenter. Yeah, yeah. You probably, you probably Danielle, need to go, do, do you, you take track here? No, no, no. What I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is that you probably need to go on some work, <laughs> on some work locations and right. stuff. Like, do you we, take track here? We got, we got, we got a bunch, got, of, we got a bunch of people in my, you know, like, like in my, in my career field that could use uh, <laughs> a little counseling. But anyway, you are good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you check my insurance. I need to sign it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people do um, have some issues that they need to work through. And so a lot of times when people are stuck, they are wanting their trauma to be acknowledged. Right. And they want it to be acknowledged in a specific way and sometimes by specific people. Mm. And so, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter what you do to try to support someone through their process. It can be very hard for them. Mm -hmm. It's, you aren't what they had in mind or what you're doing isn't what they had in mind. I would say one thing for me that, you know, I didn't notice it for a while, but after Bianca had passed, I would say for like a couple of years later, it's like I wanted everybody to know she was here. And it was like, I had to, I realized that later that I was doing it where it was like, she was here, you know, anything. Mm -hmm. No, don't forget. She was here. Right. And I was like, why do I do that? Hmm, why do because I do you that? didn't want to forget your baby. Right. You know, you wanted her life to matter. And you wanted everyone to know that her life mattered to you. So it was important that if people knew you, they knew that you have a daughter. Yes. You know, and so, and that she is special. And that your daughter loves you and you love your daughter. And so, and that was just your way of trying to hold on to pieces of her because, you know, out of sight, out of mind is real. Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, I don't want to be in this space where I forget about you. I want to keep you at the forefront. You were important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Cause it was hard for me to have happy moments. It's like, I felt guilty. Like, I'll have a great moment, and it's like, why am I happy? She's not here. I can't be happy. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. But one of the things that people say as they get older that they regret is not leaning into 
their happiness, not leaning into their wins, not leaning into their blessings. They're either moving right along to the next thing or, you know, they have some other stuff going on with them where they can't be fully present mm. and live in their win. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, I know that that with my kids, that's that that's how it is. Like especially with my youngest daughter. Uh her and her mom were very close. And so as far as you know, she you know, she respects she she definitely respects the fact that, you know, dad, you know, we want you to be happy, we want you to move on. We want you to, you know, have a successful life. Of course, you know, if you want to be remarried, we want you to be remarried at the same time. But, you know, in the back of her mind, I know that 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 she always has her mom, you know, in, in, in the back of her mind and stuff. And so, you know, like if we get on the phone and we get to talking and stuff, you know, and we get to reminiscing about her mom and stuff, and that brings her great joy, you know, just to be, you know, she she, she has literally called me and just said, hey, did mom ever, and we will have a conversation about certain things, you know, you know, just, just, just wondering, and she just wants to have a conversation about her mom. And so, and so of course, you know, we, you know, I, you know, I, I was like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll talk and we'll talk for hours. And then, you know, she'll be like, oh, okay, good. And then she'll be satisfied with that. And then, you know, and then, you know, she'll, she'll come back to it later, you know, and there's just certain moments, like, with all three of the kids, like, my son, he's the oldest, but, like, with, with him, it's always special around Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. You know, he always is, like, always uh, conscious around me. And I'm always conscious of it, too, because I'll always reach out to him and stuff and stuff and ask him how he's doing and stuff like that, you know. And then, uh, you know, like, like with my youngest daughter, it's, it's always Christmas time because that's, that's the time she, you know, she was always, like, present. And then with my young, with my middle child, she's just is just she just wants to make sure that the other two are always <laughs> taken care child. of. Right? Yeah, she just she's that 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 standard middle child. So, but yeah, it was it was it was that was that that was a great you know good comment. And I think it was hard for you for from what you've expressed to me, Earl, mm-hmm. that it was hard for you with making sure the kids were okay. And even though you know a lot of people look at it like they're adults, mm-hmm. they're what was Kirsten twenty? Yeah, they were all. They were all. They were all over over twenty years old. But still, it's it's apparent because I just know. I just noticed that my that my boss. She just recently lost her dad, and she's in her fifties. You know, and she just recently lost her dad, and she went through it, and she was just like, yeah, it's just like I, you know, I don't have both of my parents now. Mm-hmm. You know, and you would think like you're fifty plus years old, but still. They were your parents, you know. They were only set of parents that you had. So, yeah. If you had good parents, if you had parents worth a salt, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just not going to matter, right? You know, I uh, uh, remember when my ex's grandmother passed away, and she was like ninety three, mm-hmm. and her oldest daughter had when she was 17 so her oldest daughter was in her 70s mm. can you imagine being in your 70s you'd have had your mama your whole life mm-hmm. wow yeah your whole life right. 70 years that's a lot yeah. and now she's gone that you into your 70s right 
Yeah, you know, you're like you're like seventy six or so mm-hmm. when your mom passes away. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like you, <laughs> it, it's and 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 a good mom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're her oldest of twelve. Right. Y'all have bonded and grown up together. Mm-hmm. Right. Been through a whole lot as a family. And mm-hmm. So, you know, you go through different stages in your life where you're just like that parent or that person, you know, as you start to come into your own, the more that you learn just about life in general. And it's just like, man, mom or dad or whoever your caregiver was, I can see how, you know, some of the things that you have taught me or some of the things that you used to say, you know, now I'm having these experiences mm-hmm. and they get different and it's like just that camaraderie um, of an elder you know to be able to lean into right even if you had parents that weren't the, weren't worth the salt mm-hmm. we still tend to have a need to lean into the wisdom of elders yeah yeah, yeah. that's true And so, you know, there's always going to be that void there. Your daughter, as a woman, she's going through different stages of life as a woman, Mm -hmm. you know, and we don't know how she would feel about connecting to another woman in that way. But she was how old when her mother passed away? The youngest. Yeah, youngest was probably like 25. So she was 25. So she got to be an adult. Mm -hmm. So it's not like she's getting to bond with Angela in the house as a teenager or a younger child and you've remarried and she is getting to have her own relationship with her. She got to become an adult while her mother was Mm. still on this earth and for them to have a relationship as an adult. And so the idea of building that type of relationship with someone else is probably something that she can't even imagine. Yeah. It's actually unimaginable because her mother nurtured her into adulthood. Correct. Correct. Nobody else is going to nurture her into adulthood and then be, you know, guidance Mm -hmm. from here on out. Yeah, it makes sense. She can have a close relationship with someone else, but it's not going to be the same. The same with your son. Right. Yeah. You know, nobody's going to love me like my mama. Yeah. Is how the you know mo- a lot of men feel their mothers or their grandmothers, whoever their caregiver was. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, you you dropped a lot of good nuggets, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, um, another question I have here, where we talk about people, deal- individuals dealing with the loss of a child. Um, what I've noticed is a lot of people try to compare that type of grief or that type of mourning or pain to other situations like losing a mother. And for me, it was like, this isn't the order. This isn't the correct order. How do you help guide people through that process of losing someone as we would consider out of order? The brain knows trauma and doesn't care about the order. Mm. (laughs) They don't care about that. And so people engage in unhealthy comparison with their trauma all the time, and they just shouldn't. Oh, it could be worse, or oh, it was. That's this is it. It couldn't be worse to my brain. My brain don't know that. Mm-hmm. 
Right. <laughs> you know, my heart does not know that. Right. My trauma is my trauma is my trauma is my trauma. My grief is my grief. Right. And nobody should be comparing anyone's grief to anyone else. If you don't have anything supportive to say or if you don't know what to say at all, mm-hmm. just pray. Give somebody a hug. Move right. around so that you don't cause them any more grief. If you find yourself in a situation where the order is off, because parents aren't supposed to lose their children, right. but unfortunately parents are losing their children every day. Right. Yes, ma'am. And so, you know, and then people get into comparison of at what point did you lose your child? Did you lose your child in the womb? Did you lose, right. did you have your child? You know, it's all of this different stuff. And it's like, it doesn't matter how you lost the child. Your baby ain't here. Right. You know, you and, and, and that's that. And so really it's just getting to know and understand the person and then trying to help them work through a grief plan that works for them specifically. It really is an individual thing. All of the misnomers about grief and processing and culture and all of these different things, So many different things contribute to how a person shows up in any given moment that it it can be hard to just say, oh, well, this should happen. Mm -hmm. We've coined the five stages of grief, but even with those five stages, like I said, they're not going to go in order. You can vacillate between two, three, four, or all five of them, and you can think that's too good. And then all of a sudden, 10 years later, five years later, Mm -hmm. 20 years later, it doesn't, whenever you're triggered. Boom. You can be feeling like it just happened yesterday. Yep. The way that I just sobbed listening to Angie talk about her daughter mm-hmm. <laughs> on this podcast was like, this was my baby and she was sharing her story mm-hmm. because I'm an empath. Mm-hmm. And so when people share stuff like that with me, I have to like, you know, kind of prepare myself um, and make sure that I'm managing, you know, my, my own mental wellness. Mm-hmm. But, like, that was wrong. I understood why she was sobbing in that last episode. Right. Because the brain don't know the difference. The brain does not know the difference between her telling the story and reliving it and it actually happening. Hmm. Wow. And so that's why it's called post-traumatic stress disorder. Because right. when your brain remembers it, it remembers it as if it's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so if you hear a sound, if you smell something, anything, mm-hmm. that could send you. It sends me right to sleep. I was like, oh, I got to go to bed. And thank God that I have an amazing husband who respects that. And he knows, oh, you out? Yeah. This is just one of those days. I'll yeah, see I'll, I'll be like, let okay, me let sleep. me make sure you're taking care of. Let me make sure you're drinking your water. Make sure you're getting something to eat because she won't eat. She will. She will stop. She'll try to shut down. Whatever. I say, no, I'm gonna get you something to eat. Uh, make sure you're restful. Make sure everything. But else you let me go through it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I mean, from my experience, I knew I had to go through it in order to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, and you never grow through it. You just grow stronger. You you become more adept to handling it, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, That's exactly it. Yeah, you get better at managing. You it. get better at managing it, you know. Like like the things I thought of, 
to like handle it, you know, like, you know, of course I, I relied on my counseling for, for one thing. But secondly, I said that one, you got to have a desire to grow. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, that was, that was key because, and just like Danielle said, sometimes people want to just sit in a certain phase for, for a second, you know, and that's okay if that's what they want to do. Um, but I, but, for me, I knew personally I wanted to grow, but also I wanted my kids to have an example. So when they got ready to grow, they had an example like, yep, if dad went through it and grew through it, I can grow through it also, you know. And so, you know, as I, you know, and, and, and that has helped some of, some of my kids, especially Kirsten, because she still strives to go with her profession and everything else and stuff like that. She has not settled down. She said, yeah, I'm going to follow my dreams because I know mm-hmm. my mom wanted me to follow my dreams good. and stuff like that. So, so that was important to me to have a desire to grow. And then once you have that desire to grow, you got to get fertilized somewhere. You got to fight know? it. Yeah, you got to get fertilized somewhere. So for me, she, for me, it was social. It was getting out, meeting people, doing new things, trying new things, just getting my mind, you know, wrapped around like, hey, because the anxiety was big for me. You know, I was questioning whether like, hey, could I ever be in a relationship again? Mm. You know, like, you know, would somebody want me again? Oh, wow. You know, I, I, I asked myself all those questions. You know, I was like, so well, maybe when I got here and start trying to get into a relationship, maybe I'll just get into like a relationship that really, I'm not really interested in mm-hmm. just to see if that will just, just to see if I'll have any desire to be in a relationship with anybody. And then if that works out, then I'll be like, okay, kick that one to the curve and then go try something, something for something, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's more rewarding. I, I had all those thoughts go through my head. I'm serious. I mean, I was like, you know, I'm I'm fifty something years old. I'm like, who I want a fifty something year old man? You know, old with man PTSD. with PTSD, ex military, and you know all this sort of other stuff. Yeah, I thought about all the negative stuff. Me too. You know, Me too. Until I got out there, and I was like, whoa, slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my thing was in in relate to that, relating to what your situation, mm-hmm. it was that my thing was is that my life was so heavy mm-hmm. because not only did I have you know, the, the trauma of losing my daughter, I still, you know, I had my son who was disabled mm. and I said, my life is too heavy for anybody to carry. And I said, and Lord, you're going to have to send me somebody with a big old broom because I got a lot going on, but right. I never felt I had to get through the part of not knowing that I was worthy right. to move on from that. So Daniel, I have another very good question. Um, how do you as a therapist, um, if you don't know right now, I'm studying to be a nurse practitioner of psych mental health. Um, how do you, as a therapist, to any other therapists or students out there, how do you cover yourself after, you know, providing therapy to everyone as far as grief or, you know, different psychotherapy counseling? How do you handle, how do you take care of yourself? I see my therapist every week. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> I love you know, it. I, I'm very serious about, but. Beyond me being in therapy, I have a daily self-care routine. And so in my daily self-care routine, I have time in the morning and in the evening and a lot of times throughout the day. But in the morning and in the evening, I I have self-care time. I love it's it. It's non-negotiable for me. I need time to, you know, if it's not important or imperative or if I don't need to see a patient, I really don't interact much with people before noon. 
Good Unless it's you. just the occasion. Um, and I'm, you know, naturally a night out. And oftentimes, you know, when I am on call, I have a hospital contract. And so I do psych assessment mm. for um, a hospital. And when I'm on call with that, sometimes I'm at the hospital pretty late. And then I spend some time when I get home decompressing, just chilling out, playing my my two dots game. It's a connect the dots game. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I, just, <laughs> I love it. I love listen, it. Me and my buddy two dots. Right. <laughs> okay, so now we're getting ready to close. So what nuggets would you like to leave our audience with on grief? Abandon everything that you think that you know. Period. And accept whatever works for you. Stop ascribing to things that don't make sense and just don't work for you. Because everyone's process is different. Learn to respect people's grief process and be supportive without blame shaming or attacking. Don't try to rush people's process. Allow them to grieve in the time that they need to grieve and ask them how they would like to be best supported. Don't assume. Awesome. 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 I think we're going to close on that. Baby, you good? I'm good. I'm good. So thank you so much again for Miss Danielle for coming on and being a guest on our on our podcast. Come grow with us in ending our last part of growing while grieving. I think that was great that we were able to bring you on and you know we saved the best for last. Uh, we got some great great nuggets hopefully and I'm pretty sure that some of our audience members We'll be able to get a little bit out of that and take that with them as they, if they want to continue to grow or if they just want to stay in that current place right now to know that that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but, and, and, uh, so we're going to close out, uh, with, uh, come grow with us. Thank you again for, for coming out and come grow with us. Because we know it's not what you go through. It's, it's what, what you, you grow, grow through. through.